So Les, tell the listeners who we've got today. Well, today we have the very renowned Jimmy P. Brown from Deliverance. And we're excited. And today we're going to cover, Deliverance has a wonderful history on Frontline Records. They do. And Jimmy has new things he's doing, and we're going to talk about that too. And in fact, this is going to, we're going to be here for a while in your living room. So we're going to have two parts to this show. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. So people will get a lot of Deliverance music and catch up with Jimmy Brown on what he's been doing. So I'm excited. Yeah, me too. We got to go from here right to Awake off of the Deliverance first Ooh. album. So you want you got a couple words about Awake? Were you sleeping when you wrote it? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's a, that's a good that one. is a good one. I love Awake. It's, uh, I, I, our, our producer at the time, his name was Bill Matoyer. We brought him in because uh, he had produced like Slayer and Flotsam and Jetsam and, and wow. uh, DRI. And I remember uh, one of my favorite Slayer albums that he had done was called Hella Waits and it had this really frightening scary intro with all this backward stuff going on and Bill like um, I told him I wanted it to sound evil because the song's kind of a very unscriptural stance of a guy who died went to hell and then got to come back and warn people about it even though the scripture pretty much says that that can never happen I wanted a scary sounding intro and he like got all these pigs and hyena noises and played them backwards and he just did it. Very, <laughs> it was weird. He got it. it was just a very scary sounding intro, but it was it was awesome. So uh-huh. yeah, I think you guys need to play it. So here it is. Awake. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 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 
gross. Pseudo-intellectual. That's got to be one of your best things. Uh, George approached me and said, I think I wrote a song that's too hard for me to play. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, really? And I go, well, show me. And so he showed it to me, and I'm like, "Uh, wow, that is kind of tough, you know? And so he would hum to me the... And, and he wanted all the intricate riffing. So, and then uh, that, you know, and then goes into that. second course is this ridiculous now it doesn't sound hard but it's well, incredibly the right, hard the right, the right hand is but it's that it's this it's cleanly going yeah. and then on that 4-4 four, four timing that George was lucky because he was smart enough to write himself his safety net because I'm over here struggling with my guitar. You know, I, if you guys remember the way I wear my guitar, I wear it halfway down my waist, you know? And so I'm here struggling. And George is going. That's great. You do the hard part, I'll do the easy part. But I'll never forget you. You just uh, you you came at me with that and said, yeah. "I know I'm not going to be able to play it, but, yeah. what, but what do you think?" Yeah. Who's the pseudo intellectual? Oh, George for sure. Okay. No, that, it was that, mostly about a bunch of yeah. Okay. Self righteous, self righteous kind of. Uh, well, no, no. So not really self righteous Christians. It's about basically the scientific community and everybody yeah. that says basically there is no God. You know, and okay. they're saying there are no true atheists, and there really isn't. I really strongly believe that. You know, because Romans 1 talks about that we all have, you know, that inner conscience that everyone yeah. will one day bow and give the answer to, to the Lord. And uh, basically, the whole thing was about, like, the attacks on Scripture that are really founded. I mean, the whole yeah. middle part. What's the whole middle mm-hmm. part? You say the Bible contradicts itself. I, always, I, ask you, I ask you where you never can. Or I ask you, show me where you never can. Next time, think twice before you speak your tripe. You've been silenced by the scriptures. Ha, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah.
of logic Too nice and truth to lies The supreme supposition I ask why I'm sure for Greeks to gain A blank and a rock Dirty what you've heard They're all lies So do I wanna let you on You're walking up to darkness So do I wanna let you on But this ain't to me why to be dumb Before finally the blind But this is in our universe It is in the mind for those who command And certain different proof I got this for you The Bible is historic literature How to find the scrutiny Of the likes of you So do what I let you are You're working on the darkness So do what I let you are Professing to me why you think I'm the fool So do what I let you are You're working on the darkness So do what I let you are Professing to me why you think I'm the fool Can, never can, never can, never can. 
George and I had separated. I was I was kind of scared. Um, we'd seen such good success with weapons, and even though what happened to What a Joke, um, I wanted a good producer to work with. And honestly, next to Brian Eno um, with Roxy Music and, and Bowie, I held those guys on high regard. Peter Gabriel with Genesis, mm-hmm. and then it was Terry Taylor. And I always said, if I get to work with any of my musical heroes, it's got to be one of those four guys. And, well, one out of four ain't bad because I got to work with Terry Scott Taylor. And, uh, you know, <laughs> when I actually first met Terry, it was when we got signed to Frontline. Okay. And it was at those offices. And I saw Terry and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, I'm like a little kid. And I'm like, oh, you know, because I was, I was 18, 19 years old. And I'm like freaking out. It's Terry Scott Taylor of DA. And I walk up to him, and I could tell he's totally uncomfortable. And he's there with Ed McTaggart. Well, I didn't know Ed was doing art direction for Frontline. Mm -hmm. So I'm tripping out. And I went up to him, and I said, hey, uh, Terry. And he didn't, like, I didn't know he was shy. I didn't know he was kind of eccentric. And I'm like, Terry, um, dude, I'm like, just want to let you know, you were like a huge influence on my early days of Christianity and and music. And I just wanted to say thanks. He turns right around and looks at me. He goes, how sad for you. And walked away. And I was like, I was just heartbroken. And, but you know what? Years later, I shared that story with him. Here he is producing my record in 93, in 92. And I told him that story and he goes, oh yeah. He goes, that sounds like me. He goes, I don't even, he goes, I don't remember meeting you. He goes, but he goes, I'm kind of cynical and blah, blah, blah. And I ended up learning that we were a lot alike. So it was kind of cool. And, uh, 
but he he thought I kept rubbing it in to make him feel old that I used to go see him in concert when he when I was ten, and I, I'm just saying I just was <laughs> into funny. music since I was ten. I wasn't trying to say you're an old man, you know. <laughs> you know it's funny, but I had actually approached Terry about producing my solo project, which, as George stated earlier, was very Bowie-ish. And what did he say? He said, "Sad for you." No, he he actually said. <laughs> You know, it's okay, but it's kind of Bowie ripoffish, which it was. Do you remember George dancing in heaven and all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. And he said, George is in the kitchen getting some coffee. <laughs> and he actually, says, Actually, coffee sounds good. Coffee? Yeah, okay, oh, George. No kidding. Well, I, um, I'm hosting the show, otherwise. I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, so Terry's idea was why don't you take the Bowie vocals and mix them with the heavy music of Deliverance? He goes, you might have something here. And I said, well, I don't think that'll work. And he goes, all we could do is try it. And we did it, and thus came the new records. Stay of Execution, Learn, uh, River Disturbance, and Camelot and Smithereens. I know River Disturbance wasn't on this one, but it's still an important part of that trilogy with Terry Taylor. First song, first production, first everything working with Terry Taylor, uh, the beginning of the trilogy. State of execution.
I think it, what made it so awesome is we, because <laughs> I was so scared of Gene and Terry on Stay of Execution, I kind of bowed to whatever they told me to do, and there was all these huge enigmatic vocals on Stay of Execution, mm -hmm. and I, we got ragged hard in the press about it, and I liked it, but it definitely wasn't what Deliverance was, so when we went to go do Learn, I told them we need to make this more of like a metal record, and it's got to be real gloomy and doomy. And so we, <clears throat> we didn't have a drummer at the time, so we brought John Knox in mm -hmm. from Whiteheart. And again. <sighs> man, that was just unbelievable. And wow. he came in and just pounded it out. And uh, we just had a lot of fun. And then I came up with the idea of covering uh, Sanctuary from Daniel Amos's Vox Humana album. But I told Terry, unlike horrendous disc on State of Execution, I'm going to produce this and I don't want you in a room when I work on this song. And it was the first song I got to produce ever. Uh, and it was an honor to cover Terry Taylor's amazing song. It oh, was definitely cool. a deliverance version of it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it actually ended up becoming a huge favorite to close every show. And even the last concert we did together, we closed with Sanctuary. Oh, wow. And it's a sing-along. Everybody does the thing at the end. And it's really a phenomenal piece. And I just love the song.
Well, this is uh, this was part two of the the trilogy of working with Terry. I just love it. I think uh, learn. Uh, Did you write this? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah so it was just kind of like you know one of those live and learn experiences for yourself. You know, as a, as a Christian growing up and um, and and being a part of the music scene and everything else. It was just mm-hmm. kind of a. a you know, as we're going through life, we're living, we're learning, and yeah. it never ends. And, you know, we're, we're now older, and life, you just, it never ends. If you ever reach a point where you think you know it all, then you're just really proving yourself. You've, you're proven wrong every single time. Yeah, because there's so, always more to learn. And that's uh, learn. I do, I, can I tell one funny story, though? Sure. Okay. It's your show. Uh, I got to tell this, because the, the late, great Gene Eugene was just so funny, and the first album... He really hated my guts. When Terry called him and said, "We're gonna get, we're gonna go work on the new Deliverance record," he was like, "No, I'm not working with that kid again." He goes, "I can't stand that kid," and <laughs> he was talking about me. And he's like, "The guy's a bigot. He's a jerk. You know, he, he calls everybody names. He's he's like hanging out with Don Rickles. I can't stand the guy." <laughs> and, and it just made me laugh, you know, because Gene just took everything I said seriously instead of just the way I talk. And anybody who hangs out with me knows I'm just nonstop. So <clears throat> he came back, and now when we were finishing doing the Deliverance Stay of Execution record. We were talking about album covers, and I wanted something kind of artsy-fartsy to go along with the music. And uh, Gene, making fun of us because we were metal, said, oh, why not have a guy in, a, in an electric chair? And he's like this skeleton, you know? And I go, well, that's actually been done. Metallica's done that. And he's like, oh, well, maybe maybe have that same scene, but now this skeleton guy's on the phone, and, he's the gov- and he has a governor's hat. You know, stay of execution. And I kind of just looked at him, and I just ignored him, and we just moved our way. So now we're in Learn, and we're talking at the end, me and Terry are talking about the album cover. And Gene pops in, and now Gene and I are totally friendly, and everything's fine. He goes, hey, um, he goes, you know, you guys are talking about the album cover. What I was thinking is, you know, bring back that, you know, that skull guy. <laughs> and he goes, and have him, like, teaching a... Uh, you know, you know, he's in like a master's professor's robe, and he's teaching a classroom full of demons and ghouls, and it just—he's pointing to the chalkboard, and it says "learn." <laughs> and I, we all started laughing, but he called him that skull guy. So now we're doing the, the River Disturbance album, and Gene—we're talking about the album cover again, and Gene's like, "Hey, you know, bring back skull guy," and this time he's riding the surfboard on on a molten river, you know, and it's a river disturbance, you know, and he's kind of like, you know, tubing, you know, <laughs> in, in a lake of lava, you know, but everything was this skull guy. And it's because he associated anything with metal to have to do with skulls. <laughs> so I, I thought it was kind of funny. So learn, think about the skull guy pointing to a chalkboard that says learn.
Sun, Psychic Friends on TV. I'll inquire about your future, also by guarantee. happening with uh, Camelot and Smithereens that's such a dark record yeah yeah it's uh, that was kind of uh, like George was saying just after years of disillusionment and just not knowing we, you got to understand something when we left Frontline 
uh, and we signed with, with BAI, we were so excited and Word was behind us and Word gave us this gigantic, enormous budget. Uh, the three months that we went into the studio turned into eight months. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, it was, I'd never had a recording experience like that in my life, getting to hook up two 24 track machines, you know, and making it 48 tracks and going, I mean, it was just unbelievable. It was, wow. Terry and, and Gene had to leave. They had to say, dude, we got to go on tour with the Lost Dogs. We didn't anticipate being in the studio with you this long. And so this was my dream record. At the end of the record, Ojo finally came to me and said, dude, I don't care how many record or songs you've recorded and how many you got mixed, we've got to put the record out. And I said, okay, so out of the 12, we gave him nine fully mixed. And G Terry looks at me and goes, congratulations, Jimmy, this is your revolver. And because uh, we'd been talking about how the uh, Beatles, uh -huh. one of the best Beatles records ever was Revolver. Mm, yeah. <clears throat> he says, nice. you made your revolver. Yeah. And he goes, now, next, White Album. And I said, well, either way, that's the highest compliment in the world. Yeah, yeah. And he takes off, <clears throat> uh, and we take off for tour. We go do our tour, and we come back, and then <laughs> word pulled out. And there was nobody to release River Disturbance. So uh. Joe and Gene felt bad and said, well, we'll print as many copies as we can. And they printed like fourteen or 16,000 units. And that was it. That was all she wrote. And it's kind of sad because, it, for me, it was my magnum opus you know, for deliverance uh, mm. at that time when working with Terry. And <clears throat> so I was just disillusioned. I was disheartened. And so when I started working on Camelot, I had already planned on breaking up the band and breaking, breaking things off. And that's why kind of, that's what Camelot and smithereens means. It means Camelot, the yeah. dream blown to bits, yeah, you absolutely. know? So, cause my dream with deliverance was now over. I love the Not Too Good For Me song. Uh, that was probably my favorite song on the record. That and um, the bookends, uh, lyrically. Uh, it, it was a great song. It, went on, it was right in course of the story, and it was basically, um, the changing times have caused me to see me for what I am. Uh, but I know you. Uh, you've taught me oh so well to ignore. And so everybody's like, well, okay, wait a minute. If it's talking about you, then who is this person you're addressing all the time? Well, I'm addressing myself. It's just the old man versus the new man. Oh, yeah. And it's so I'm, yeah, I'm selling cool. that other person. Great concept. I, you know, I can't let go, even though I know you're not too good for me. I'm with you
And the new project, uh, I'm, you know, Deliverance, hear what, hear I, what say. I say. I love that. Um, tell us about that. It was, a, it was fun. Um, you know, we always debated on the weapons part, too. You know, are we going to do the follow-up? Are we going to do the follow-up? And I just haven't felt the right time for it. So Mike Phillips and I have been working together for so long. And he's such a ridiculous guitar player. I, the I mean, shredder. Yeah. Yeah, he's just... He's unbelievable, and his best work to date is on this album. And uh, he and I, you know, he flew out to Alabama because I was in Alabama for about four years. And he flew out there, and we just spent a week working on his parts. And um, <clears throat> then I flew Manny, you know, Manny Morales, our bass player, mm -hmm. who came in and played on Stay, Learn, River, and Camelot. He's kind of a more yeah. He's been a consistent guy. member. Yeah. yeah, he's been a consistent member. He actually was our very first player back bass player back in 1985. Oh. So, um, but he stayed with us, and uh, he he came out and he played and he and he played on the album. And then for drums, I was just gonna use Easy Drummer, you know, oh, yeah. the, a program, uh -huh. you know. And uh, somehow, someway, we got hooked up with Jason Sherlock of Mortification, who was on Frontline with us. Wow. And he said, I want to play on this record. And he's like, if it's your last record, I want to play on it. Detox is, gosh, that's like a ridiculous song. Probably my favorite off of the new album because of what it represents. Uh, living in the South, no offense to any of our Southern fans, but, uh, you know, this, this born and raised L.A. boy uh, spending four years down there, I thought most of what I had heard uh, or seen in movies and everything else was all, like, fake and talking about, like, the 40s and the 30s and the 50s and those days were bygones. Uh, yeah, it's not. <laughs> All that stuff really exists, like as far as bigotry, p hatred, and, and Down like south? prejudice. Yeah, from it, the it, time it, you were living in. Uh, yeah, Alabama. four years. Yeah, I was there from 2010 to last year or late last year, yeah. and it was scary to see. Uh, and there was towns that you know you you couldn't go to after dark if you weren't <laughs> bleach white, and uh, yeah, it was. It was pretty, it was an amazing time, but it was weird to see that everything you see in movies like Mississippi Burning and and all that, it's actually still alive there. It was really wow. scary to see that there, there, a lot of that still exists. And so when I wrote Detox, that's exactly what it's, a, you know, I've got to unlearn the old way, you know, I need to detox. Next.
All right. So uh, this radio show is really produced by Frontline Records, right, Adele? Yes, and you can find all of the music by yeah. Frontline Records artists and a copy of all of these shows on FrontlineRecords.us. So that would be FrontlineRecords.us. Correct. If you go online and, and you type that in, yes, you're going to be brought directly to the front door of FrontlineRecords.us. Wow. Well, we really want to thank George Ochoa for dropping in Thanks, today. Thanks, George. You know? And we're oh, especially celebrating this 25th anniversary vinyl release of Weapons of Our Warfare. Rocks Productions is releasing that so mm-hmm. people can get a copy. And so it was great to reminisce about those times and have two of the original members and writers and really the, the ones who were inspired to put that together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 